great Sunday school teacher, and uh, he makes it one of his goals that, you know, throughout the year, he, he wants to make sure that every single child in his class has an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so he makes sure that he gets a one-on-one time with every child to explain to them what Jesus did for them, uh, explain to them how they can respond to that same gospel, uh, and, and, then, and then really pray with them and ask them if they want to commit their lives to Jesus. Uh, in 1992, a little boy sat down with him, uh, 10 years old at the time. And, uh, and sat down with Mr. Walt and heard him out, listened to him, and, and broken over his sin and decided to give his life to Jesus. That was, that was, and, and Walt did this with every single kid. And I'm super thankful that he did that with every single kid because I was that kid. When I was 10, Mr. Walt sat me down, explained to me the gospel, and said, You need Jesus in your life, and here's why, and explained the whole thing to him, to me. And, I'm, and I responded to that gospel. And I stand here because Mr. Walt is a part of my story. He's a big part of my story. And I stand here before you today. I'm not really sure what would happen if, if Walt wasn't a part of my life. He's a part of my story. Every single one of us have a story that we are walking through. And I don't even know how you got here this morning. Uh, but, but all of us came here kind of, kind of differently. I mean, you might have moved into this community. Most people in this community are new to the Cane Bay area. Uh, some of you have been here all of your lives. But most of you, uh, you know, came in. Maybe you came in because uh, the military might have moved you here for some odd reason. Maybe it was you moved uh, from the Midwest or the Northeast or maybe even the Northwest. And Boeing brought you here or some other company brought you here. Uh, and you're still trying to figure out the Southern culture. You're trying to figure out why people hug you all the time, uh, and you're, <clears throat> you're trying to figure out why people are so nice, uh, and you're also, you know, you, you got your first taste of a sweet tea, or what we just like to call tea, uh, down here. So, and, and then, you know, and, and everyone, after a couple months, you might say something like, y'all come over here, and you're just, you think to yourself and say, what, did I just say y'all? Uh, and and you're, you're kind of adapting to this, this southern culture. But and now the church at Cane Bay is now part of your story. Whether you've been here for months or whether this is your first time here, this church is now a part of your story. And you got here somehow. And I'm really thankful. And I wanna, I'm really thankful that you're, you're here. You might have come here and gotten engaged with the missional community. David uh, talked about those. So here's what I want to do today. I want to walk through a couple of things that God has been doing in our church. So it's a little less of a sermon. So if you're looking to take notes, today's not your day. Uh, but a little, less of a, a little less of a sermon today, a little more of what God has been doing, what God's going to do in our future. Uh, but I, and so I just want to simply look, let's just see what God has done. And we've, we've seen these things called missional communities. And you have an opportunity today to sign up for a missional community. A lot, if you are, let me just do it. I love doing this. Who's in a missional community? Right, right there. Look at that. That's, you guys are awesome. Okay. And so if, if you're not in one, obviously the cool popular thing to do is get involved in one. Right? Okay. So you, you want to join the cool club and get involved in the missional community because it's really pretty sweet. All right. So you want to be involved in that. And we'll give you a chance to do that at the end of the service, okay? Um, but it really are the lifeblood of our church. Everything flows through a missional community. Uh, we, we have all sorts of ministries. We do all sorts, all sorts of stuff that run through our missional communities. Just this week, uh, I went into the principal's office uh, here at this school. And, you know, we're, when we first moved into this school a year and a half ago, I, uh, they said, you can be here for a year, <laughs> okay? So, uh, we're, we're, we're now like on borrowed time at this point. And so I walk into the principal's office and I'm just like, I'm kind of trying to explain it to her. Like, Hey, we're going to be here and we want to continue to be here for a little while. And she just looks at me and says, why would you go away? Why would you leave? We love you. We want you to be here. Why? Because you do so much for our school 
you give to our school and you help our teachers and you do duty-free lunches and you feed our teachers and you help out our PTA and you do all sorts. Why would we want you to leave? And you know what? That's the work of the Turner Missional Community that's been working all for the last several months with the school. Loving on them, caring for them. And so when the principal says, you know, should I kick the Church of Cane Bay out? She's like, no, absolutely not. Why would I ever do that? That's, that's the missional community at work in our, in right here. There's, there's, and there's Cane Bay Middle School right next door. And it was, what's kind of funny is it's their first year. They don't have a PTA. And so what they've asked the Ainsworth missional community to come in and do is, is all the stuff that a PTA would do. So they go to the, the dances and make fools of themselves. It's really pretty awesome. Uh, they go to the dances. They feed the kids pizza. They, they come in and mentor. They do duty-free lunches. They feed the teachers. They do all sorts of stuff. And the middle school loves us. There's like a competition of love between the middle school and the elementary school to figure out who loves us more, right? And so it's, it's really kind of neat. Then there's uh, one of the cool stories that has come out. Uh, the, we have a missional community, the, the, the Dasher and the Ivy missional community that meets out uh, in North Charleston in uh, the Atlantic Palms apartment complex. Uh, they had the opportunity to giveaway at Thanksgiving at nine turkey dinners, nine turkey dinners uh, to any to families that might be in need right there in that apartment, uh, apartment complex. Here's some of the stories that came out of that. Uh, a lady named Maury uh, got, a, got a call one day and said, hey, we've got this turkey dinner. Would you like it? Maury lost her daughter just three days before and the funeral was that day. And it was just a random phone call. Hey, do you need a dinner? A family that had, had, was being evicted from that apartment complex because they didn't have any money. And it was their three-year-old's birthday that day. And they get a call saying, hey, do you need a dinner? And that became that three-year-old birthday's his, his birthday dinner. That day, that missional community made that contact. Uh, there was another, you know, another family. Thanksgiving was coming in. They had no money to feed their family. All these people coming in and they get a random phone call. They're not knowing what to do. How am I going to feed my family? Phone call, hey, uh, we got a turkey dinner. Would you like it? Absolutely. That's the work of one of our missional communities in North Charleston. We're super excited about what they do. And God's just kind of working his way through that. One of the cool things uh, is, is that we, we get calls from other churches. If you haven't noticed, there's other churches that kind of wander through here every once in a while. And they want to know what we're doing. We try to teach them as much as we can of usually what not to do. Uh, but we, uh, we teach them as much as we can about what to do. And, and one of the cool things is, is our, our mother church, Journey Church, which sent us out to be planted. Uh, they contacted us and sat us down, sat Joel down, sat, sat me down and said, uh, tell me about this missional community thing because we're we're really hearing a lot of good things about it so here's the deal our parent church is is completely throwing away their entire small group structure and what are they doing they're going to do missional communities why because you guys are doing great work through that they're like you know so it's like the child like leading the parent i like it's pretty it's pretty awesome i don't rub it in too much to them but um Anyway, it's, it's, it's really kind of cool. And I really love the fact that there, uh, you know, we have eight missional communities. There's a possibility for a ninth Turner missional community uh, when you figure out that you want to, you know, split and, and, and do the cool thing and multiply. So uh, there's, there's an eighth, multi, there's eight multi, uh, missional communities, possibility for a ninth. This thing is just growing. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, so if you're not in one, you really want to be in one. I mean, they work with the schools, work with orphans. We work with apartment life, uh, work with our neighbors to make sure people are getting engaged in this community. It's, it's really pretty sweet. So when you have that opportunity to give in that card, you want to be engaged in this. It's pretty much what we do for ministry. 
One of the cool things that comes out of missional communities is huddles. Now, huddles is it's a, it basically a smaller microcosm of a missional community, but focuses in on the Word of God to study, uh, study God's Word on a regular basis on a, on a weekday, sometime during the week. Now, huddles are a little bit less structured than a missional community. It's just kind of like whenever you have time to meet, two or three people gathering together uh, around God's Word, studying it together, keeping each other accountable. Some really cool things have happened out of that. Just uh, two weeks ago, we have, there's a huddle of guys that meets in a fast food restaurant right here in town. Bibles open up on the table, and these, this couple comes by and starts talking with them because they're like, hey, uh, you know, see that you're studying scripture. That's really cool. And they kind of engage with them. And they find out that this couple is homeless and doesn't have any place to stay that night. It's going to be really cold that night. And so this, this, this huddle gathers around and gets some money together and gives it to them and says, here, uh, we want you to be able to have a hotel to stay in tonight. Because they were gathered around the word of God. We have another, uh, another huddle. It was pretty awesome. I saw this. Another huddle that, uh, you know, the Christmas break, everybody's schedules is kind of weird. Everybody's going out of town, going home, whatever. One, one huddle said, you know, we're not going to let that mess up our huddle time. So we're going to huddle over Skype. That's pretty cool. That the word of God meant so much to them and their accountability meant so much to them that they, were, they weren't going to let all these different schedules mess them up. That they were going to meet uh, using a different means, which is really pretty cool. We have a lady in our church that, that you know, her schedule's crazy. She's got kids. She's got a full-time job. And so she's like, you know, my only time to meet and do a huddle is during my lunch period. And so I, 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 I gathered a couple ladies at my work that don't even go to this church and we huddle together around the word of God. Now that's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. When we, when we gather together and work together and engage with a huddle, and so you want to make sure that you engage with a huddle, probably, and it's really easy. We've got these guides out that you can get, um, that you can get. Pastor David will give you one out of the connection table if you're wondering what a huddle is. Probably the easiest way to make sure that you get somebody to huddle with. Uh, is, is to be a part of a missional community. Your, your leader will help you get into one, uh, and that starts here in the next couple of weeks. So you want to be invested into a huddle. Now, that could, both of those things could be a part of your story. Now, most of you probably came here on a Sunday morning. You just up and decided to visit. You might have seen a road sign. You might have saw our signs outside. But hopefully that you were invited by somebody else that you know, a friend or a neighbor, or a coworker, or a family member. And you were invited to come in here. It is our largest doorway to get people to come into the, fa- the family of Cane Bay. Just last year, we had 235 first-time guests walk through, our de- walk through our doors. And that doesn't include kids. 235 people engaged with the Church of Cane Bay. Um, just last month in December, our, here's, here's kind of how we're growing a little bit. Uh, last month, December 2012, was 15% higher attendance than December uh, 2011. So things are beginning to grow. Things are beginning to kind of gain some momentum. And we're pretty excited about how God is moving our family forward in just this environment. And we've got some really cool plans. Over in the next couple of weeks, uh, we've, we're going to make some renovations. We're going to do a little bit of remodeling around this place, which is really cool. We're going to uh, move around our lobby area and hospitality area to make it more inviting. Uh, we're also going to play a lot with our, well, we're going to change a lot with our preschool kids stuff. They're going to be moving into different rooms that allow them to do ministry better. Uh, so just know that in the next probably two weeks or three weeks, uh, when you walk in the door, it's going to look a little bit different uh, because we're, we're really trying to make sure that people that are coming in the door for the first time have the ability to uh, feel welcome and, and, and warm and know where to go pretty easily. Uh, and so just know that that's coming. Now, here's the deal. You might ask, why would we make all of those changes uh, if, if the school is kind of a, it's just a temporary location? 
And let me say this. The school is a temporary location for us. Uh, as, we, as we look forward in 2012, it, or I'm sorry, in 2013, got to get used to that, um, into 2013, the school, the school is a temporary location like that for, for us. And to be honest, and this is kind of family discussion, so if you're a first-time guest with us, I, I want you to dig into this and kind of uh, you get to see what's going on in our church and be invested. But um, I'll be honest with you, over the past couple months, uh, the elders have been working to, with a plan to possibly move us out of here into a more permanent space as a church. And, uh, and there was an opportunity in front of us, and we were really engaging with it, kind of figuring out all the details and what it's going to cost and where we're going to go and what the timeline is and all sorts of stuff. And to be honest with you, uh, we got to a point where we had to pull the trigger, and we, you know, we're praying about it, we're thinking about it, we're working this out, we're having long conversations, and then we just kind of came to that moment and we said, it's just not time. It's just not time. And we, didn't, we, we decided to back up from that. And, uh, and, and here's, here's the chief reason. Here's the chief reason. And we really believe that God led us to that decision. Here's the, here's the chief reason. It, it, maybe if you were a teenager, you might understand this a little bit better. Um, and I had this moment. Uh, when you're like 16 or 17, you're beginning to drive. You might even have a little bit of a job and get a little cash in your pocket. And you're beginning to think, I can, I can live on my own. I can do this. Did anybody have that moment? Where you're just like, I don't need my parents. Did anybody, did anybody have that moment besides me? Okay, thank you for being honest. Okay, I, I, you know, I definitely had that moment. My parents had to sit me down and explain to me how much the world costs. And, you know, what we're doing. and so we're, we were, a couple months ago, we were like that um, with our church. We we're kind of like, you know, we can do this on our own. We can, we can get this done. We're at a place where we can move on out of here and get off of our parental support, so to speak. And, and so, you know, it's that moment where, uh, you, you know, your parent looks at you and says, you see this room right here? Who, who pays for that? Oh, that that's, that's us. That's the parent. Who, you know, see that phone right there? The phone that you use all the time and text your friends all the time? Yeah, we, we paid for that. See the food that you eat every day? Yeah, we paid for that too. And so, uh, you know, we had that moment as a church. And we really kind of had to, to grasp and put our hands around that. Uh, and, and so here's one of the chief reasons is we've got to figure out in our life stages as a church where we are and if we're ready to kind of graduate and be out on our own. Uh, and so it's, it's really just not at that point yet. And the reason why is, is because we're just not financially there and we're not financially self-sustaining we can't move out on our own uh just yet but here here's some really really cool news that i want to share with you okay uh so that's kind of the bad news here's here's the good news Last month, uh, we did something called the Hope Offering. It was the Hope Christmas Offering. Uh, and our, we, our, our thing was, is we, you know, we, we asked you to bring 10% of your food, and we asked you to bring 10% of your clothes. And then that final weekend, we asked you to bring 10% of your, uh, of, of your finances for the month. Now, a lot of you got engaged with this. It was really, really cool. We gave tons of, I mean, actually, I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of pounds away of food. We gave the, the, the largest, actually four times the largest uh, gift to low country orphan relief that they have ever received is really cool. And, and then we, we asked you to give 10%. Now, 10% is, a, is not a magic number, but it is a biblical number. And w- the Bible prescribes for us uh, that we should give a 10% tithe to the church, meaning 10% of our income for the month. And so we simply asked you to be faithful to what the Bible commands. Scripture commands a lot of different things. And one of those things is to become a biblical tither. And so we asked you to do that. And here's, here's what happened. It was really, really cool. Um, our, let, me, let me just throw up some figures up here. Hopefully they'll be up there. Um, our average monthly giving 
uh, is, is $8,171. That's our average monthly giving uh, from the church at, at large, okay? And again, if, if you're here for the first time and you're like, why is he talking about this? I'll get to that. I promise it'll, it'll be okay. Now, our monthly budget is $15,050. That's our monthly budget. So you can see there's a, there's, there's a large gap there between our average giving and what it actually costs to run the church, to have the building, to pay salaries, to do all the ministry that we do. Uh, so there's, there's a pretty large gap, and we've never actually uh, crossed over that $10,000 mark as a church. We've never been over that. So we said, hey, you know, the hope offering, let's make it our goal to say, let's, let's strive for $10,000. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be really cool? Um, the, here's the awesome part. You killed the $10,000 goal uh, to the point where you gave uh, 14000 uh, uh, I think what was the figure? Fourteen thousand four hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Isn't that really really cool? So here's and here's why that matters. Is for one month we flew out of the nest <laughs> and we became self-sustaining. For one month we were able to do that. And it's like our mom kicked us out and we spread our wings and we flew, and it was awesome. And this is why. And here's the kicker is that we didn't ask you to give oh, like some outrageous number. We simply asked you to give what God already commands. We didn't ask you to give over that. We just simply asked you to become a financial tither, which is, which is pretty cool. So what happened, you know, what about all the other money? Because we, we said that, you know, like we're going to give to Love Gabe and we're going to give uh, now using all of our outside support and everything and using all of that number and gifts that you gave uh, for the Dasher family. We were able to do all of that stuff too. So we were able to pay, pay our way through Love Gave. We were able to make sure we had volunteer resources. And we, you know, you actually, for the Dasher family, remember that week where I got up here and cried a lot? Um, it, you know, we, you actually gave, I, I challenged you to give $1,200. You gave $2,100. And that, you know, if you add that to the, the, to the garage or yard sale that you guys did, it was like $4,000 that we were able to give one family who was in need of it for their child. Uh, so all of that is, is super cool. But I'm really excited about the fact that if we came together for one month, and actually obeyed what God commanded us to do, we can fly on our own. That's really cool. We could. And here's what that means. Here's what that means. We are able to take ownership of, you remember that, remember that moment when you moved out of mom and dad's house? Maybe that moment where you got your first paycheck and, hey, I can actually do this. That was that moment last month for us. Because we were able to be self-sustaining. And here's what, so we took ownership of that. And we, I want to continue to take ownership of that. And so what it means is that we will have more funds to be able to fund our missional communities even more. So that if you're in one of these groups, every single one of you has a budget to do great things around our city. We want to we strengthen those budgets so that they can give even more. We want to give our student ministry the proper funds that it needs. I mean, we're talking about fa- literally thousands of students in and around this neighborhood that we want to reach. And we need funds to be able to do that. Our children's ministry, your kids that are involved, you know, right on the other side of that wall and the power chip, all that stuff. We want to make sure that they have the right funds to do what they need to do and the teachers have what they need to do. Uh, one of our goals in the next couple of years is to send out a group of you to go plant another church. 
We're excited about that, but we, we really need to figure out the funds to be able to do that. We also need to compensate our staff properly. It's a part of my heart. I mean, I'm full-time and I'm paid full-time, but the rest of our staff works full-time and gets paid part-time. And so what we want to do as a family is we want to come together and say, I mean, as, as the leader, I want to say, let's compensate our people for the work that they do, for the wage that they should earn. So we want to compensate our people well. But, and, but probably even bigger than that, when we get to a place where there might be a piece of land available or some kind of building available, we're just like, okay, we need to graduate out of this school. We want to be able to say, yes, we can do that. Because we want to be self-sustaining. We want to get out there and make sure that we're moving forward as a church. So many of you made that choice where you, you, t- you took the challenge and became a faithful tither. And here's my challenge to you. What would that look like for you to do that every month in 2013? That's a major sacrifice. You might look at that and say, well, I can do that for one month, but I'm not really sure about every month. Um, What would it look like for you to be obedient to what God would have you to do for the entire year of 2013 to become a a tither? I would ask you to do that, to be able to think about that. Is it a sacrifice? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Yes. But everything that is worth doing always does. It's always going to be hard. It's always going to be sacrifice. But I want to ask you guys and challenge you guys to do that. And here's, and here's why. It's because I ran through all of that. I talked about missional communities. I talked about huddles. I talked about what we're, what's going to happen in this worship gathering. Because all of you, at some level, the church at Cane Bay is a part of your story. Some of you, it's, it's really, really deep that this church runs deep in your bones. Some of you, you're here for the first time. You're like, I don't really even know what you're talking about. But you are, the church has become a part of your story now. And what we want to do is we want to see more and more people from this community. We want to see the church become a part of their story. And even bigger than that, probably more awesome than that, we want to see Jesus become a part of their story. Just like he's working on you right now. That's the call of the church. If you have a Bible, we're going to look real quick at a scripture passage. If you have a Bible, it'll be up on this. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It'll be up on the screen. But here's our, here's our, our scripture passage that I want us to gather around for the next month. <coughs> Excuse me. It's Psalm 66, 1 through 5. Psalm 66. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're new to the Bible or, you know, you have one in your life, you don't really know. It. Psalms is like right, right in the middle of the Bible. You just go right in the middle. Boom, open it up. Psalm 66. Uh, and this uh, is written as, as a poem. Okay, but it's really, really cool. It talks about the faithfulness of God. And it says this in the first five verses. It says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. What what the psalmist is saying is, God has done amazing and great things. God has done some amazing and great things through our church in 2012. Your missional communities have done amazing work. Your huddles have gathered around God's word and gotten really deep. People are walking. People are being discipled. People are being saved. And we've had several people get saved in, 20, in 2012 that, that are now going to be in eternity with God for all, for, in heaven for the rest of eternity because of this church, because of what you have done. We saw 13 people uh, go public with their faith in baptism right here in this room to show the world that they love Jesus and that he's, his, he's their Lord. We want to see more people 
come to know that same knowledge in 2013. We want to see that happen. And I'm really looking, and, and, and I want to say, this is what God has done, and God is going to continue to do that in the future. Now, here's the, here's the cool thing. In verse 5, it says this. Come and see what God has done. If you've got a pen, circle those two words. Come, uh, those three words. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. Come and see what God has done. At some point in your life, somebody said, or somebody, you know, a road sign, whatever. Somebody put that road sign out there. Or maybe somebody gave you an invitation. Or maybe you said, saw something online. Somebody did that to make sure that you got the invite to come here and said, come and see the church at Cane Bay. Come and see what God God is doing in this community. And what we want to do over the next month is say, come and see what God is doing. He's obviously doing great work through his people. And we want more people to experience that. So come and see what God has done. And that's what we're about to launch. And you see that at the top of your page on your bulletin. Uh, we're, we're launching through this, through this month something called the One Series. Uh, and the, here's, here's what the One Series is all about. It's about this idea of come and see. We want you to find one person in your life. Just one. Because I can get up here all day long and say, hey, make sure you share or invite all of your friends and all of your coworkers and all your family members. And you might look at me and be like, wow, that's, that's a pretty broad thing to say. And, and you, you might look at everybody that you know, your 757 friends on Facebook, you might be like, wow, that's a little daunting. How am I going to do that? I, I, I just want you to pick one person that is either not, that is not in church, that's not going to church anywhere, and that doesn't know, that doesn't know Jesus, that's not invested in any other church. I want you to get, the, get with them this month pick who they are it's just one person and say come and see what god has done i want you to i want you to come and see my church i want you to come and see jesus i want you to come with me and be with me and come and see the awesome works that god is doing right here in this church and so that's why we're calling it the one because we want you to be the one to bring the one i know it's kind of catchy it's kind of fun okay we want you to be the one to bring the one and so over this next month, we're going we're gonna to really work with you on that. We're going to give you some practical tips on how to do that. We're going to give you practical tips on how to engage in conversation. We're going to give you uh, tips. We're going to give you put things in your hands that you can invite people with. Um, and we want we want to make sure that you have all the resources and all uh, and all the talking points, everything to be able to say, I want you to come and see what God has done. And I want you to come and see with me at the Church of Cane Bay. Here's something cool that we're going to do at the end of this month on January 27th. Uh, it's, 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 it's kind of an average Sunday. Here's what's different about it. We're going to have two services, right? One at, uh, I believe, 930 and one at 11. It's going to be a little different. But what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to preach a very simple gospel-centered message and tell people about who Jesus is. Very simple. And we're going to have, it's going to be a rocking day. It's going to be fun. The band's going to be up here. We're going to have good, cool kids stuff. Uh, we're going to have all the renovations and all the different changes are, are going to be made by that point. And uh, we're excited about God, what God's doing there. Uh, and we're going to have special gifts for, for people that come on that first, on that, on that day. It's going to be pretty cool. But I want you to think about who is my friend, who is my coworker, who's my family member that doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't go to church anywhere, that needs to hear the gospel very simply. And I want you to get them in a chair in this room to make sure that they have an opportunity to respond. So we're going to have one big day 
on January 27th. Leading up to that, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to really work with you on how the best way to do that. Okay? So I want you to engage, want you to engage with that. And you might look at me and you might say, Charlie, what? I don't get it. What? One person? What, what is one person? What does that matter? What does that even mean? There's a guy in 1850s. Uh, his, name was, his name was Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball. He owned a shoe shop in downtown Chicago in the 1850s. He had a 17-year-old boy there. And Edward decided that it w- he needed to be able to say, come and see my Jesus. I need, you to, I need you to know the gospel. And so Edward sat down, a, a, a man named, a, a, a 17-year-old boy named Dwight Moody, who was kind of had chaos going on in his life, big, boisterous character. I mean, he was, he was all over the place. And, uh, and, and Edward sat him down, shared Jesus with him, shared the gospel with him, and a guy, this, this guy's name was, D, he going by D.L., D.L. Moody, came to Jesus. Now, you might know that term. You might have heard of Moody Bible Institute or something like that. D.L. Moody became one of the largest evangelists in the 1800s altogether. He literally was able to, to uh, share the gospel with, at that time, millions of people in the 1800s. And he was this vast, big personality evangelist, made a huge impact uh, in our in our country and across the world. In fact, there and he actually went to England, uh, where he uh, was preaching one night and met a guy named Wilbur Chapman. Now, Wilbur was just your average guy too, and he heard D.L. Moody preach, and he responded, and he and he became a Christian that night, which was really cool. Wilbur went on to become a pastor, and he eventually shared Jesus with a guy named Billy Sunday. Now, Billy Sunday was just your average guy, too. He was a know-nothing, but he was now a child of the king. He loved Jesus, and he wanted to see more people come to know Jesus. And so he shared his, the gospel with his friend named Mordecai. His name was Mordecai Ham. What a great name, right? Right? Mordecai. And Mordecai was, I mean, below average. He was a nobody. He was a mountain hick in, northern, in, in, uh, in, in North Carolina. This guy became a Sunday school teacher and led a kid named Billy to the Lord. Billy Graham. As a little boy, Mordecai Ham. You never heard of Mordecai Ham, but you have heard of Billy Graham. Pretty cool. Billy Graham grew up to be a, obviously a great evangelist, still is, an amazing man, led millions in our, in our generation, led millions of people to Jesus, let everybody know who Jesus was. Went to go preach. He, he was a part of something called Crusade, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And he went to a church called Mud Creek Baptist Church in North Carolina. And he preached, and there was a, there was a young Christian man named, uh, named Bill Billingsley in the audience. Bill Billingsley was, uh, you know, he was 20 years old. Uh, he was uh, post-college, and uh, he, he decided upon Billy Graham's preaching that he was going to go start a church or plant a church just like this one in South Florida. So he moved his wife and his family all the way down to South Florida, where he began preaching the gospel uh, right there in Hollywood, Florida. One day he was preaching the gospel on a normal Sunday like this, and there was a man named Walt who came down and got saved. I knew him as Mr. Walt. And then Walt led me to Jesus. Edward Kimmel 
the shoe salesman was faithful to the Lord. We all are the one. And we all need to figure out how to bring the one. And we don't know who that person is and what kind of domino effect that you will create by sharing the gospel and getting them to a place where they can come and see Jesus. So that's what this month is going to be about. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for Edward and his, um, his faithfulness. And all those along the way, Dwight, for Wilbur, for Mordecai, and Billy, and Bill, and, and finally Walt, and my own life. And so, God, I, I ask that we would take up this challenge. It's a good day to be a uh, family member of Cane Bay. It's, it's really cool to see the awesome works that God has done. And Father, I know that you've done some big things, and so I ask that you continue to do big things in 2013. That we would not only go and tell, because that's what you've commissioned us to do, but we would also go and tell and say, come and see my Jesus. I want you to come and see what God has done. So Father, give us boldness to do that. Looking forward to learning about it this month. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to work, we're going to work with you in a little while about, uh, in the next couple of weeks about making some commitments on that, on that. We do have, what's fun about today though, it's the first day of, of 2013. So there's a, there's a couple things that I want you to think about. Now, if you're a week, uh, partner of this church, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of a member, if you've heard of church members. Uh, but if you're a partner of the church at Cane Bay, um, We'll have these right here. This is a church covenant, and we do this every year. Uh, we, we, you kind of re-up your, uh, your covenant with the church. So if you're already a partner, you've already gone through the Discover class, we want you to, we want you to um, go ahead and re-sign your covenant to say, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you on mission. I'm ready to go. I'm charged up for 2013, and I'm ready to be the one to bring the one. If that's you and you're a partner already, uh, we're going to have these covenants over there at this table right over there ready for you to sign and place in the basket and ready to go. Okay, so if that's you and you've already been through that. Now you might look at me and say, I've not been through the Discover class. I can't sign that partnership agreement because I'm not there yet. Good news for you is we have... um, we have these right here. Uh, they're invitations to our Discover class where we say, hey, I'm ready to ne- take that next step. I'm ready to um, figure out what's going on with the church at Cane Bay and be involved. We also have those over there at that table right over there for you to sign up to be part of the Discover class on the 17th and the 24th of next month. And we want you to be in- invested in that. So we're actually going to ask you to, we're actually going to ask you to get up and move and, and go over there and sign these covenants for our church partners. This is a sacred type thing. And so we're excited about that. Um, now, if you come prepared to give today, uh, we're not going to pass the baskets today. Uh, we are going to make it available at the door. And at, uh, so if you came prepared to give either by cash or check, uh, you can do that using this envelope in the baskets right over there at the table. And then if, uh, if you're not going to go over to the table at all, you don't have to. That's fine. We, we're going to sing some songs. We're going to have a good time to end the service. And you can drop all of this and your Connect card uh, at the basket right over there by the door as you go out. Okay? So... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand you up, and as soon as, as soon as you're ready to go over that table, go for it. And the rest of you, hang out your seats, sing with us, all that stuff. Stand with us, and we'll sing.